0: Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast from Altos Research. This is the show where we talk to real estate industry insiders and experts about the trends shaping the market today. Enjoy the show. Mike Simonson here. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast. For three years now, we've been sharing the latest market data every week in our weekly Altos Research video series. With the Top of Mind podcast, we are looking to add context to the discussion about what's happening in the real estate market from leaders in the industry. Each week, of course, Altos Research tracks every home for sale in the country, all the pricing, all the supply and demand, all the changes in that data, and we make it available to you before you see it in the traditional channels. Uh, People desperately need to understand what's happening in the housing market right now. The market was frozen solid last year, it was surprisingly strong this year, and now that landscape is changing again uh, very rapidly. So if you need to communicate about the housing market to your clients, to buyers and sellers, go to altosresearch.com and just book a free consult with our team. Then we'll review your market together, your local market, and how you can talk about this crazy housing market with the people you need to communicate with. All right, let's get to this show. I've got a terrific guest today, Amit Holler. Amit is the CEO, co-founder of Vive. It's a company that is out to build single-family homes at scale. Amit has 20 years of experience in the tech industry, including leading positions in public companies and over a decade of real estate development, asset management, and construction. So. I am really interested in understanding about how Veve is reimaginating, reimagining home building and the home building process using technology. There's a lot of uh, technical innovation happening in home construction right now. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Amit, welcome. Thank
1: you so much, Mike, and thank you for the opportunity.
0: Great. Well, let's start, you know, with uh, you. And so tell us about your background and how you came to co-found Veve.
1: Well, very interesting background. I would say uh, non-traditional in to get into construction. Actually, started in semiconductor, and uh, I created one of the very first or the first uh, uh, Bluetooth chipset mid '90s. So before Bluetooth was a thing, uh, the company got acquired by Texas Instrument later on and uh, became the, the Bluetooth solution for Texas Instrument among uh, among many other technologies going into that. From wireless communication and semiconductor, I switched to smartphones and created smartphones early 2000 before before the smartphones were very popular at the time. And over time and over progression, I got to the point in 2008, very coincidentally, October 2008, which I decided I'm going to retire and to become a real estate investor. So real estate investment went very well, just because it was October 2008, right? Nothing to do with my smart or nothing around that. Retirement went very poorly. One is because uh, it's hard work to do good real estate investment. as I learned the hard way. It's not like the books uh, tell you that uh, you know you just park your money and life is beautiful. And second, as a technologist, I, I start to get very, very engaged very quickly into problems and solutions and how to create efficiency, and over time, learning more and more about real estate, about real estate development, about asset management from the ground up, literally from the ground up, right? And uh, and over time, the more problems we start to realize, we, uh, uh, I said, me and my co-founders, and us being technologists in a very diversified technology, we start to figure out that there must be a different way and there should be solutions around that. And that's where Viv was evolved into into a technology company.
0: So uh most of my audience doesn't know this but I too have a semiconductor background. Now I'm not a semiconductor guy, I'm a software guy, but I have shipped some silicon in my in my day before I before I landed in the real estate world and uh you know and what I ended up doing was taking the network security concepts like there's a billion packets on the network, which are the bad ones um and the visualization techniques and I actually brought that into what we do at Altos. Um, I was never skilled at chip and silicone though. That (laughs) was never, that was never my calling. Um, so that's a neat background. And, and so, uh, so October, 2008, when you got into real estate and I, by the way, I got in January one of 2006. So like that was, you know, this era, um, and, uh, and, and so in the zeitgeist of like, huh, um, what we might do there. And you, you had a couple of point things you mentioned in there about, um, how it took a lot more work than you were expecting. And, and uh, like there's no such thing as passive income <laughs> as much as people want to talk about it. So, okay, so you were building, uh, you were starting, when you got into real estate, you were like building homes. Is that what you were doing in, in that 0- 08, 09 timeframe?
1: I went through, uh, I didn't start by building homes. I went through, I would say, the very... A traditional if there is a traditional process for real estate investors is that you start to buy a few single family homes fix them up uh, doing the typical mistakes which is converting to the garage to a living space and being fined by the city and then realize that uh, there's no like uh, there's no tricks in the books that uh, that uh, the industry didn't realize yet and then the, around 2009, we started to, to buy at scale uh, in Sacramento area a few hundred homes in one year and remodel them and fix them and, uh, and and rent them immediately. And then we start to learn about the challenges which has to do with property management uh, and how to efficient there and how to remodel for homes and fix them in a way that they are going to to sustain the asset value and uh, reduce the cost of, uh, of uh, maintenance. I mean, so it's really step by step learning all the hard lessons in this industry and then into small multifamilies and larger multifamilies. Uh, I picked at a 450 units uh, multifamily building or it's almost like a neighborhood at that point, right? And so, so you really baby steps, I would say very quick baby steps, but in uh, baby steps, uh, uh, climbing the entire kind of value chain until we got to the point that, uh, I believe it was around uh, 2011 or, or 12 that uh, you cannot make money anymore from buying foreclosure stuff because p- pretty much it's dried up right i mean the, the prices start to fix themselves and that's when you are looking for the next stage or the next phase of real estate oh let's buy land uh, let's buy homes initially it will start with homes and doing significantly flips and then actually let's buy the land or taking the home downs and rebuilding from scratch and uh, let's buy land for multifamily so it was really it was really evolution uh, step by step uh, until getting to the point that uh, we we built hundreds of homes and uh, and we had a, we had 1,200 units uh, of uh, rental units under management so so we really kind of built it uh, from the ground up to to many, many different, I would say uh, variants, but always residential as asset class, never commercial. Or nothing else.
0: great. So okay, so now you're you've moved from buying and flipping to building. You've got a bunch under management, um, and so tell me about the the germ of the idea, the genesis for Vive. When did you say what I need to do is revamp the technology for construction? What were there catalyst points in there?
1: As I. Many times say we humanity, we innovate only when we hit the cliff, right I mean so we're typically not uh, not very good in predicting the cliff, but only once we are on the on the edge of the cliff we realize we need to innovate. So exactly the same thing happened to us. It's actually started with uh, it's actually started with the smart technology or the smart home technology. We really want to make the the our homes that we are building much uh, much smarter than uh, most of other homes out there. And we start to realize that uh, even though there's a lot of technology out there, again, I don't recall the exact year, I think it was around 2015, that's where uh, you start to see a lot of devices. But it didn't work very well together. And the electricians didn't really know how to install it. And in order to configure everything, we needed to start to hold our own IT person just, just to make it work. So just to provide a Pretty simple experience that you can turn on and off the light from two different locations and connect it to your app and have multiple lights in the room. It starts to, to become very complicated. So our first thing was a kind of reinventing the low-voltage system for the home in order to to provide significant amount of lighting because we think that well-thought and thoughtful lights changing a lot of the experience of the home for the consumer. And that's a, That's a very... Probably one of the most interior, the core kind of elements that, that you can bring into homes. Beyond, obviously, the kitchens and bathrooms and all the other stuff. And, and we really went through those baby steps, realizing that the electricians that we work with couldn't do that. The next, actually, one of the next big cliff we hit was in a multifamily building that took us ages, few years to, to get off the ground. And once we went off the ground and built a big basement for, for the parking and we just got to the point that we need to start to do the framing, which was four-story building, uh, wood framing uh, over a over slab, over a podium, basically, the uh, Santa, Santa Rosa fires hit. And all the framers were flooding into the Santa Rosa because they've been paid uh, a fortune by the insurance companies over there. So the bid for the framing that we had on this home Overnight, went up by 150 percent. It's like take it or leave it. <laughs> I'm either going to Santa Rosa or that's what you are paying me here. And then immediately we start to think about well, there must be a better solution than framing just uh, just uh, bringing the wood on site and uh, and connecting everything. And that's where we start to look into uh, into framing uh, new framing opportunities and I came across the light gauge, light gauge steel framing which is basically rolls of steel that are being rolled into the studs and trucks in real time and punch all the different holes into that uh, for the service holes and and, uh, creating a beautiful new construction method. And I was so happy with this idea. I came on and, Eureka, guys, we have this idea. And the electrician said, no, if you use steel, I'm going to double my price. Why? I just cut all the holes for you. I don't know how to how to deal with, uh, with, uh, with, with a steel structure. I, I'm used to uh, wood structure and doubling my price. And same thing with the plumber. And the framer just resigned. So every time you try to push this new solution, you realize there's new waves of, uh, of resistance. So making long story short, it was not overnight. It was over five, six years, but we ended up doing everything. Because we realized that every time we introduce a new technology and new ideas for, to, for, to, to solve for some of the issues in this industry, it's creating ripple effects that are actually slowing us down and making it more difficult. And it took us some time, but we got to the point that we, we created a fully vertically integrated solution at Viv that's solving for. So it was all by our own pain points, learning the journey.
0: That's amazing, and I can totally identify with the smart home IT needs. i t needs that you know I have my house in the mountains, and I you know like you get a nest, but the nest doesn't work for some reason. it can't work on my Google account, so it's got to be in my fiance's Google account, and then you do a thing and and then they respond in business hours, but it's my mountain house, so I'm there on the weekends and like it's it is nuts, right? And I have like a closet full of like you know, smart locks that didn't fit that I bought and now they're sitting there somewhere collecting dust. And I have all these things. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have, you know, a dumb <laughs> house forever. So I really understand that pain point and especially, you know, the, the ambition of it as a as an operator uh, for, of a bunch of units. Like the vision could be amazing, right? Like keyless entries and all of the things could be really a great opportunity. Um, however... Uh, there is a long way between where we are and and the you know the the ideal place, um, and so then though, but man, that, what an ambitious leap to go from I, I and I and I get the you know the 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 fire um, challenge, you know the cost of the framers. Um, again, my my house in the mountains right now, I'm getting a new roof this year. Because of the snows last year, and it is a hundred percent more expensive than it was a year ago. And I booked them in in April, and it's now the end of October, and they're just getting to my project. Right, hopefully before the snow falls. Um, so it's it is exactly, and and Actually, you know, labor is one of the things I'd like to spend a little time with you um, uh, during the conversation. Like, uh, and you know, home building labor is a real. Function here in in the housing crisis in the U.S. But before we get to that, give me a quick uh, summary of what the Vive product is, or technology technology, or the innovation. I heard you know we heard about the the light gauge steel frame, but what what are we talking about really? What, you know, building homes. What, what does it really mean?
1: Fast forwarding to where we are today as a company, we pretty much re, uh, reinvented or, or reimagine everything within the home. And to start with, so all different materials, all different uh, uh, methods than, than what we what we are used to in the in the more traditional uh, construction. But it starts with a very important concept, that we realize that the home is a product. Now, <laughs> what I'm saying just rhyme—it's like da. I mean, it is a product, right? But by this realization. Uh, it helps us a lot in, in the way we manufacture it, in the way we install it, and in the way we think about it. And in fact, this is the most expensive, the largest, and the most usable consumer product out there. But very, very few companies think about it as a product. How many product managers people like, uh, like Apple has? How many product managers a builder has? None. Right. I mean, and that's that was the big thinking about it. So you just mentioned your roof, right? I mean, so thinking about home as a product is what happens if we need to replace your roof within 24 hours? How do we productize it in a way that it can be long-term maintainable, uh, long-term upgradable? That's a very different product fault versus construction site fault. So with this introduction, let me explain. First and for all, uh, in order to well, the part of the solution is prefab, right? I mean, so we are prefabricating big portions of the home in our factory. The big issues that most of the industry has with prefab, that it either you fix their box literally because those are volumetric kind of boxes, or it doesn't fit your home. But it doesn't work like this in home. It could it could work very well maybe in uh, in hotels. It could work very well in student housing but it doesn't work in single-family homes and actually most of multifamily homes because they need to meet the environment, they need to meet uh, the different uh, uh, jurisdictions, uh, the needs of the consumer, uh, look and feels, etc. So it's much
0: more difficult. Things are, things are mostly bespoke. Exactly. Things are mostly bespoke in home construction. Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly.
1: So we needed to figure out a method that we can build anything, any look and feel, and still prefabricate it. And it was really to go down to a very different fundamental building block which is the wall instead of the room instead of the box it's the wall walls and we call them panels the floor panels and the wall panels and we are creating panels where they leave our factory they are fully finished and complete so our wall is including the plumbing and the electrical and the hvac and the windows and the doors and the interior finishes, and the waterproofing on the exterior side, it's all finished and completed. And it's a structural component, it's a load-bearing component. And in the field, they plug and play one to another very, very quickly. So because our atomic component is a wall, which on the XY can can take any any shape, any size, any look and feel, we can actually build anything with that. So we don't care so much about what's the size of the room and the shape of the room, etc moving away from the volumetric to the walls. But that took a significant technology lead for. In fact, to the best of my knowledge, we are the only company ever that managed to create a closed wall system that is certified by the state of California right now, but probably by, uh, will be certified by other, uh, uh, other states as well. That is fully inspec- inspected and finished in our factory, provide the, basically the inspection certification by the state, and which arrived on site, there's nothing to inspect in this uh, in this warm site. Everything else is plug and play very quickly. Our uh, our status right now is that we can build assemble a home on site in thirty days. Not not an idea a twenty five hundred square feet home a real home in thirty days, including foundation. So that's the speed we managed to reach.
0: Okay, so that's. That's terrific. That really gives me a view of what um, what you're doing there at Veeve. So I have a couple of questions, though. Uh, one is um, about structural insulated panels. So I had a friend who built a home out of Sips uh, in the mountains uh, a decade ago or maybe more now. Um, uh, how does this differ from those? And, you know, so let me start with that. How does it differ from things like structural insulated panels? So... Uh which are prefab, right? That's right. I mean, so
1: uh, the SIP, the structured and insulated panels is is definitely a great method and being used a lot. Nevertheless, uh, they don't provide, I mean, just by themselves, they don't provide the complete solution. So uh, your friend most probably still need to finish the home on the interior. They still need to do the mudding and sending and painting, and uh, trims for the windows, and adding all the MEP, the mechanical electrical plumbing, into these walls. So it did provide uh, 20% of the solution, but it didn't provide 100% of the solution. And even if you look into a example that many people are using is the 3D printing homes right now with the concrete 3D printing. I mean... Very cool technology, but it's really solving only for 15, 20 percent of the stuff. It's re- it's solving for the for the walls, for the uh, uh, for the exterior look and feel, uh, which is obviously very very particular taste, and and it's solving for the for the framing. But still, all the MEPs still need to be coming in. Windows are still being installed on site. A uh, roof is done very, very differently. Uh, all the other ta- uh, doors and stuff like that. So the big difference here is that we went all in. Our wall is fully completed. When it's arrived on site, nothing left to be done on it other than connected to the next wall.
0: Amazing. Okay, that sounds really cool. I have another question about prefab. Uh, and I was talking with Robert Dietz, who is the chief economist for the Home Builders Association, (NHB), And he pointed out, I think it was him, that pointed out to me that... We actually had more prefab construction in the 90s than we do now. And that was uh, maybe even the 80s, but the 80s and 90s. And that was because the factories were tended to be in the Northeast. Um, and now we're building the homes in the Southwest. And so the factories are a long way away from the, where we're building. And so they're more expensive. Is that a factor that you're thinking about? In in yours as well, it totally surprised me that like because of that capacity and the cost of shipping, we've actually uh, we've actually regressed in productizing home building. Is that something you think about?
1: Absolutely, and I think it's uh, it's uh, just on the money. Yeah, definitely in our mind. And let me explain how we solve for it two ways. First, doing panels versus volumetric. It's already part of the solution. Because when you are shipping a volumetric device, you are mostly shipping air. And when you are shipping panels, they actually stack like uh, uh, stackers, like a CD rack. Uh, probably some of our audience don't even know what CDs are, but <laughs> like a CD rack uh, that uh, allows to stack very high density of those on the single truck. Secondly, we took a very unique approach, and actually as someone that coming from the semiconductor, you would appreciate it. We called our factories a fab. So we are following, actually, exactly the semiconductor industry in many ways. And we have so many semiconductor guys in the company as well, including our COO. Uh, Our fab is a microfab. It's only 100,000 square feet facility that can fit uh, pretty much in in every warehouse out there and uh, we follow the intel concept of copy exact which means we created one of those and then we can re- replicate them next to the demand area so the idea is to create a distribution or very distributed kind of a, a, a network of uh, fabs of those microfabs that uh, would allow us to uh, to fabricate very close to the demand area now very close could be still within 150 miles radius so so you are looking kind of you know for a round trip of a truck on a daily basis. it doesn't need to be like within few miles and even though it's possible as well because many of those subdivisions it's going to be like 5,000 homes for the next 10 years right so they need 500 homes a year so a single microfab is actually can produce 500 homes a year so that could be also very smart just to locate it really next door, um, within a few w- miles uh, uh, to such kind of a facility. And it has so many other benefits, right? I mean, obviously on a, on a sustainability, because distance is not just cost, it's also embodied carbons, right? And it's uh, on social uh, values, right? It's creating kind of a local workforce versus, uh, versus a remote workforce. Um, so, so many extra values around that, uh, and we are very proud about this system.
0: Okay, that's super cool. Uh, I love the fab analogy, the, the semiconductor fab analogy, and being able to locate that. So, um, where my, here's where my brain goes. Is there, in the semiconductor I- industry, there's a, there is there a, uh, is uh, a sub-industry that is of the fabless semiconductors, The companies, the the people who design, like, now I can conceive what I want my my semiconductor to do something. Is there an analogy here, too, where you, like, have designers who could, in the future, do some, you know, amazing new things with the home and then, you know, run them through your fabs? You're
1: absolutely absolutely right and and perfect analogy, right? I mean, so I talked about this wall. And let me explain a little bit more about what this wall is. And, and for our audience that don't understand or don't know so much the, 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 the semiconductor industry, I'll explain the following. When these fabless companies uh, or, or companies which are designing new chips, there are libraries component that they don't need to deal with. So think about a microprocessor chip that need to be connected to the USB. USB is very common and it's very commoditized and there's no reason to reinvent USB again and again. And again. So they have have a library component which is called USB and they just drag it in. And this library component still contains probably five million transistors and all those different cells and memory and software, but it's coming as a subcomponent. That's exactly how we think about it. A a plumbing wall or a bathroom doesn't need to be redesigned many times. I mean, it could be uh, stretched, it could have different ties, it could have different things, but the gut for it it's like this USB. It has input, which is hot water and cold water. It has output, which is the sewage. It needs to have all kind of code related uh, elements there, which is the distance between the toilet and the and center line and all, and waterproofing and everything else around it. And we capture all of it as a library component. And from now, Parfum is a library component. You can change the colors, you can change the shape, you can change the size but you don't need to deal anymore with all the planning. And we created a new software tool, which is called Viv Studio that allowed these designers, basically, to design on our system without the need to understand the guts of the fab and the technology and everything around that. I believe that's going exactly the same kind of concept. And again, some companies we really model after... I mean, we model after several different companies, sometimes Tesla, sometimes Apple, but in this very case, it's actually a company called TSMC. It's a huge Taiwanese company, which is one of the biggest fabs in the world today. That's where Apple uh, is building their chips uh, uh, in, etc. And there's a lot of those models of libraries and components around around these type of companies.
0: Okay, that's super exciting. I love it. I love it. um, And... uh... So let's. So I, I think that gives us a good idea about the technology and what you're building. Quick question th- before we move, move into thinking about market and impl- implications of it. How many homes have you built? Like How far along are we?
1: Yeah, we've built to date four uh, different versions of our technology in the past five, six years. We built about 170 homes in California, all actually very much in the Bay Area in California with this technology. We built many more homes, but I'm kind of counting only the homes that have been built with uh, Variety of versions of this technology, and, uh, and yeah, and the sky is the limit.
0: Okay, yeah. So 140 homes. I I uh, would love to see one and see what they they uh, look like. I'm re- really excited about it.
1: A- everyone is invited. California, Bay Area, please come over Not- for a visit and a tour.
0: I'm I'm in San Francisco, so I will will do that. Okay, let's switch from the technology and the product to to thinking about housing in general and the housing market. Um, there are a couple of things that, you know, we talk about frequently on this podcast and in the work we do at Altos Research. Uh, and it's really, you know, we have, we have an inventory shortage, um, of available homes for people to buy. We have an affordability, a corresponding then affordability crisis, uh, especially right now with mortgage rates up, but even with mortgage rates lower, we still had an affordability crisis. We had, um, uh, and so, uh. Are, are, you know, the the technical innovations that you're pursuing, do they allow us to build more or cheaper? uh, Like, do we solve, do we directly solve some of these crises facing housing in the U.S. right now?
1: So starting with the bottom line, the answer is yes. It helps to solve those issues and will solve those issues. But in order to better explain why we are going to solve for these issues, let me let me just uh, think, uh, uh, kind of map very quickly where the cost is coming from, right? I mean, so a cost of a home is made of three components: the cost of land, the cost of uh, city fees, and the cost of construction. When we go to affordability, there's also the cost of interest, right? The interest rate, which is also make, make uh, determine if it's affordable or not. So land. It's very uh, arbitrage kind of, uh, I mean, land can go up, can go down, and uh, and it depends on school district and everything else around that. And it's really kind of, uh, kind of uh, can go up and down very, very quickly. Fees by cities, just going up. I mean, I didn't see any cities that are uh, reducing their impact fees. And cost of construction right now is going up and will continue to go up for a very simple reason. The label we have in this, in this industry is aging out. In fact, 40% of the existing label is going to age out in the next 10 years. The, uh, and and, and you, you guys don't get in there. Efficiency is actually a, by McKinsey uh, research, efficiency in the construction industry was negative few percent in the past 70 years. While every other industry, every other low-tech industry, was actually uh, efficiency was increased by hundred percent, if not thousands of percents. and you know at best is flat, but actually, in fact, it's actually even uh, become negative. So we are going to have less people. So
0: efficiency work- in home builder, home building construction, meaning we, we people build them slower. Like are, the people who are executing on them are less efficient than they were in the last 50 years?
1: So the number, the square foot, or the square feet that a single person built per day, or depends how you how you want to measure it, was decreased in the past 50 years. But the cost went up, right? So what can we impact? Ah, Yet 50% of the cost of the home is the construction cost. So if you look into the entire kind of home package, right, it's about 25% cost of land, about 10% cost of impact fees and other fees, etc. soft cost, 50% cost of the home, 15%, percent percent is actually the profit of the builder. That's, that's pretty much how the, how the bucket looks like. So that's where the biggest opportunity for an impact. And that's what we are going after. In order to get there, we need to create efficiency at scale, and we cannot do it by improving the existing thing. And the reason is because we, in fact, the reason there's no improvement is that, in fact, we are the most efficient possible right now with the traditional method. It's a 200-years method. We already built in this country alone about 120 million homes, I think, to date, maybe a little bit more. That's it. We are at, at the plateau of the, of the efficiency curve or the cost curve, et cetera. I mean, there's rule of thumb that every time you double the cumulative the cumulative number of things you are doing, you are going to gain another 15, percent efficiency, which means that in order to be able to reduce our cost by 15%, we need to build another 120 million homes. That's, that's going to be, happen 100 years from now, right? Unless you totally innovate pretty much everything around it, and that's what we are trying to do. New materials, new method, new design tools, new philosophy, semiconductor philosophy versus construction philosophy, everything new and uh, we believe we can actually beat those numbers significantly.
0: Okay, so that's amazing. Are there big wins in, the, in that area? like we talked about the framers that was you know your catalyst. Um, are there big wins that you're like, wow, it turns out that it's the plumbers that are the ones that are <laughs> need to go first or like what have you learned in there?
1: Yeah, I think that the big win is the collective win. The construction industry is made of I think the average is 24 trades in a single-family home. It's very fragmented. It's very difficult to schedule and to coordinate. Many of them don't work together on the site at the same time because of kind of conflict of, uh, of space or whatever it is. So the big realization around it is productization. And let me explain. In this home, we have plumbers and fire safety and structure and uh, framers and everything we just said exist almost pretty much in any other industry and the easiest way is to take actually the automotive industry there's plumbing in automotive and there's HVAC in automotive and there's insulation and soundproofing and structural and actually seismic environment right because the the, the, the car is and, and wind load and windows everything exactly exists over there and by the way, our car is genius compared to our damn home, right? I mean, so talking about a smart home and technology, etc. But when you go to Tesla or General Motors or whoever out there, there's no single plumber, or electrician, or fire sprinklers expert. It's a product, and and it's a bunch of engineers, many engineers, some within different disciplines, but working together on one product and not on a discipline. That's a huge mindset shift. Because right now in this industry, everyone owns their own discipline and there's no like system integrator. There's no like one person that thinking about the home as a product, as a one holistic product. Every single person in this industry is like my job is electrician. Even in the electrical world is that my job is high voltage, my job is low voltage and they don't talk to each other and they don't coordinate, and there's zero interaction between them. And you cannot create efficiency by that, right? I mean, so that's what we created. And again, it's true, you know, there's plumbing in SpaceX, in, in, in rockets. There's plumbing and electrical and, and cooling. And uh, and pretty much there's there's cooling mechanism in your laptop. We think that the HVAC of the home is like the most expensive, uh, most, most complicated things out there. There's way more complicated HVAC solutions in different industries. And that's what we try to borrow and to bring into this industry to rethink about everything around that.
0: So you mentioned, okay, so that's terrific. So you mentioned, you know, the efficiency and and as we productize it, uh, we still have plumbers who are designing or plumbing and and doing it in the product, but we're doing it as a unit. Um, And uh, you said the whole house in 30 days, including the, the foundation do you um and, and you also said about like 2500 square foot house like not like an ADU but like a real house um, what's the price point on a house like that
1: we are targeting mid market uh, price range so because because we are subscale and we still uh, we still at a relatively low volume to the to the existing industry and we build up our volume, we started kind of uh, slightly on the upper end which is the move ups and the and the mid market versus the the first time home buyers um, our price point, are uh, ranging for homes like that depends if it's uh, like Texas to California, those are the half a million dollar homes to as high as uh, the $1 million homes in, uh, in the California range. Uh, yet we have a very, very clear line of sight and very detailed plan about how we are going to continue to take our price down again and again. So, comparison to other companies it's like uh, if we're looking into Tesla which is a great comp for us we started in the model S and we'll go down to the model 3 and down to down the road to the model uh, 2 if it's it's existing and uh, Apple and any other kind of companies in this space building up the volume building up the scale and then uh, start to reduce the cost
0: yeah that, that makes a lot of sense although um, it it does open the door for critics. Who are like, oh, you're building a luxury home or you know, a high-end home, uh, in a world where we need uh entry level, we need first-time home buyer inventory. Uh, uh and and I can also imagine critics coming in saying, My like I can imagine resistance from you know the the entrenched labor, you know, interests in home building. Are you encountering anything like that? Or am I am I uh we're going to do that when we get this podcast out. We're going to trigger the.
1: <laughs> so f- first of all, you know, one thing I learned in my life, in my pers- past uh, 35 years technology lives, much easier to critique versus to do. So uh, we'll, we'll find critics uh, and some of them obviously legit as well. Uh, but it's about doing, right? It's about building the scale here and you need to start somewhere and uh, a lot of consideration, including uh, raising funds from from investors and to be able to build a profitable company in order to build stuff. I mean, so in order to get to the end goal, which is help humanity, you need to start somewhere, right? I mean, you cannot start from the day one from the end goal because no one is going to help you to help humanity. You need to help yourself. And that's what we try to build here around that. Uh, Nevertheless, by the way, a million dollar home in the Bay Area. So some of our audience, I guess, not familiar with the barrier, but it's really kind of first-time home buyers. I know it sounds crazy, but those are the numbers here.
0: So yes, it is indeed, and and so then the question is like, how quickly can we go? Like, oh, by the way, you know, we're buying a Vive home. It's a million bucks. Um, it's got the quality of one that's going to cost you a million five down the street if it was a bespoke home. Or a, a home that you know was built by the traditional me- methods, and how, how quickly do you do you get to a place where you can illustrate that like that kind of benefit? The quality of our homes are so much higher than anything
1: that exists out there. So the comparison is more like one million dollar versus five million dollar, versus one and a half. Those are the, the luxury of the luxury homes in the mid price market. So the experience we get is that whoever walks in our home the wow effect is to the point that people will uh, will try to will try to take it unless it's not the right school district etc and everything else which has to do with neighborhood and many times uh, actually usa today at the time use it as like the tesla of the homes i mean the experience It's not just electrical car. It's not just a new type of home. It's not just very sustainable, by the way. Our homes are 55% less in body carbon than than stick build. It's not only materials that are going to last forever. Mold can never develop on it uh, because the materials, because we don't have the drywalls internally It's stuff like that. Not only those. But the look and feel, and literally the feel, I mean, some people, we, we call it hanging the walls. I mean, the feel and the quality of the walls and the texture, level six qualities is so high that, uh, that uh, people just falling in love and it's, uh, it's creating for you all new experience altogether. Hugging <laughs> the walls, that's, that's a term for us. It's so different in a good way that you must touch, you must feel, you must you need to understand what's going on over there.
0: Amazing. Are you are you building these? Is your customer right now home builders or like home builders who have a bunch of land land in the land bank, or is your, is are you going direct to consumer?
1: So we mostly build for home builders. So our uh, most of our business model is B two B, but uh, in our uh, close proximity neighborhoods, we also build a few handful of homes. Uh, in uh, our our factory or our fab is, uh, is located. Uh, or as Intel calls it, Fab 1 is located in Hayward, uh, in the Bay Area. So in our close proximity, we build, a, we build a few homes as part of our service to the community as well here, and we'll sell it directly to consumer.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. That's exciting. Um, are consumer tastes changing, or, or like do you have visibility uh, or, or a view on what we build in the next decade. You talked about smart homes, so that's you know kind of interesting, and I can see more of that happening. Um, uh, are there other things that you're paying attention to that, that you like, oh, we can do that before traditional built is? What, what, do you, what do you see there?
1: Yeah, I think that the next wave of, uh, that we are going to see significantly in housing is going to be about sustainability. Homes are contributing, not construction, homes alone, are contributing to 38% of the embodied carbon. Part of it is the the construction impact, I mean, the the materials, etc. and part of it is actually the usage of these homes. So I think that the net zero and even carbon positive homes, homes that are generating more energy than what the home itself needs, we are going to start to see is the next wave. The, The EV cars basically trend it's going to impact the homes as well because you don't need to have two chargers in the homes. You're going to have two EV cars at one point, and you will need to charge them overnight. And you need to generate a lot of this energy. Water conservation is going to be a very big impact in these homes. That's uh, our next uh, wave of problems in the world: water. In fact, uh, there's so many cities. I mean, so speaking of construction, right? I mean, there's so many cities that actually hold on construction because they cannot, they don't have enough water. So wasting water, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not going to be, or it's not already just a kind of a nice thing to the environment to be. If a city is wasting water, they would not build homes. Uh, So those things are happening left and right. And we're going to see many more of those. So I think that the home is, is really the core it's going to be the core component of everything impactful in our life going forward.
0: It's it, yeah. So um, I, I I'm with you on that. You know the story of water. The story of the American West is the story of water. And the things like and you mentioned it like an energy positive house. So are you building solar into in, into all these like your roof panels?
1: Yes, all of these homes are including solar, and also we're fully ready for the new new codes. New building codes out there, uh, in order to be able to accommodate upgrades of uh, battery storage and uh, net zero and uh, off the grid and everything else, which which coming out.
0: Yeah, and I could imagine a world where you know we have, you know, you have uh, nineteen seventy eight home construction and nineteen seventy eight cars versus you know modern EVs, uh, dramatically different cycle. And I could imagine a consumer consumers valuing that dramatically like really choosing that kind of efficiency and, and quality in the in the home do you have can you so uh, can you demonstrate uh, those kind of efficiencies like you know the the carbon reduction like how, how do you how do you how do you show that to your consumers
1: yeah we definitely demonstrate it and we are using external uh... Uh, external companies uh, to validate our numbers, right? I mean, so as of today, as I mentioned, we are 55% less than body carbon on the construction of the home versus uh, versus stick build have been verified. That's, that's a lot. Uh, the other interesting uh, shocking number is that 40% of the landfill in the world is coming from construction of homes and we cut it by 10x. So we have 10 times less uh, landfill than traditional. Uh, everyone that builds a home or, uh, or also the neighbors building their own home is so familiar with uh, the numerous amount of beans, <laughs> the, the, the waste beans that are coming out of this home. And typically almost nothing is recyclable over there. It's so all the all landfill. I mean, which is crazy. I mean,
0: crazy. A lot of the ca- a lot of the carbon in in construction comes out of concrete, doesn't it?
1: Come a lot from concrete.
0: Do you use less concrete when you're building this home?
1: We we actually almost don't use concrete at all. So our foundation system is a heavy steel system, which we which we actually uh, calling the air flock. and that's allow us actually to screws huge screws into the ground into the very dense uh, soil area, uh, creating a very precise, a very, uh, I would say, air agnostic or soil agnostic, including soil movements. So soil movement don't impact our foundation system. And that's part of the reason that it's allows us to build foundation very, very quickly. And it's a fully recyclable uh, steel, right? I mean, so.
0: Wow, okay. Well, it sounds like we could spend a lot more time on the cool technology stuff. Um, this has been really terrific and, and uh, a really neat dive into uh potential in the future you know we we have uh, so many things facing uh, the the creating this housing crisis that we face um, whether they were financial or you know um, labor or or even some of the local and you mentioned city fees local fees and part of the the um, uh, as part of the cost of building but it's also one of the the things that make it difficult to build, are you finding that local legislators are like, they're into it, they're they're like behind you or are they resistant still?
1: Definitely behind us. Now, as as any kind of government legacy legacies, it's take time to change. But understanding is there. Mayors are there, head of planning are there, head of buildings are there. Uh, obviously, the states. So this is a very, this is a very slow wheel. But uh, it's a, a very self-aware wheel, I would say as well. So they, they try to make the change.
0: All right. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a fast hour for us, so I really appreciate your time today. Um, where can people go find out about you or Vive? Are you writing and stuff? or Are you, like, do you, are you guys blogging? Tell me about where, where people, where our listeners can go find out more.
1: So I guess pretty much uh, on all channels. We are on all social channels. Uh, first and for all, V E E V V-E-E-V.com. Everyone is welcome uh, to join and to to register uh, on LinkedIn. I'm uh, I'm happy if anyone is uh, is connecting with me uh, either to the Vive uh, to the Vive channel or me personally, and on
0: all other social medias. Ahmed, thank you so much for your time today, everybody. This is the Top of Mind podcast. Uh, as always, you find us on all your podcast channels. If you enjoy the show. Uh, I appreciate a review, give us some stars, help other people find the the podcast. That's, uh, I always appreciate a, a positive review. We will be back uh, more in a week or so with another interview. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Top of Mind. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate leaving a nice review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other people find us as well. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes.